1: I love your podcast, this is the Gold. This is where it's at. What is up, Bits of Gold fam? Happy Monday. Hope you all had an amazing weekend. I am so excited to be releasing this episode today. Today, my guest is Ashley Bisman. Ashley recently published her memoir, Chasing Butterflies. Ashley was in high school history class the morning of September 11th when students whispered of planes crashing, fire, and terrorists. She bolted from her seat, sprinting through narrow school hallways leading to the main office. A TV on the wall broadcast flames bursting from the skyscrapers, and her body went numb. Her father worked on the 101st floor of Tower One, and instinctively, she knew she would never see him alive again. Jeff Goldflam was not found. The only surviving article discovered in the devastation was his credit card. Chasing Butterflies is both Ashley's love letter to her father and a story of how a teen and then a young adult struggled to retain what had been her normal life prior to the attacks. I am currently deep into Chasing Butterflies, and I've really enjoyed her writing and the story overall. So Ashley, thanks so much for coming on the Bits of Gold podcast today.
0: Thanks for having me.
1: I'm really excited to have you on to share your story, to tell us a little bit about your memoir, your your new book and just excited to dive into all of it.
0: Thank you. I'm excited too.
1: So yeah, take us back to the beginning your story and you know obviously would love to hear what led you to writing a memoir, writing a book.
0: Yeah, so my father was killed on 9/11. He worked for Cantor Fitzgerald in the North Tower. I was 16 years old when he passed away. And I think I was in a really unique position because most of the people that I know or that I was connected with who've lost their parents in the World Trade Center, they, a lot of them were babies at the time or they were really little. So I had this unique perspective where I was a teenager and I was able to take in the events of that day so clearly. And it really shaped my coming of age story. And so, you know, down the road into my 20s, I thought, this is a story that should be told, I think.
1: And we'll get into the memoir. But at what point did you feel like compelled or you wanted to write a memoir, write a book? Did you always think you were going to?
0: It was really interesting because when 9-11 first happened, and for many years after, it was such a public event and everybody knew about it. So at that point, I never spoke about my dad. I never spoke about 9-11. I just felt like everything was so public and I wanted something to be kept private for myself. So for so long, I didn't speak about it. It was just like kept deep inside of me. And then in my 20s, surprisingly, I you know was living, working, dating in Manhattan. I was single. I was having a great time with my friends, going out, enjoying the bars and the nightlife. And you know, all the great things that Manhattan has to offer. And I had a really what should have been a bad breakup with a guy. But for some reason, it was very funny to me. So I went home and I started writing the story of how I broke up with this guy. And throughout my 20s, that's what I did. I just was writing about dating in New York, breakups in New York. I'm, I think anyone who's been there in the dating scene in any city knows how how crazy it can be, and it's funny at times, and it's not funny at times. So I had those stories. And then in my 30s, I started missing my dad, and I started writing down memories that I had of him. And after I did that, I was like, you know, this is a story of my life. It's dating, it's missing my dad, it's finding the love of my life. And so I was able to intertwine all of those short stories and connect them. And make what became a memoir of my life.
1: That's amazing. Did you have the desire to write a book? Did people encourage you to turn this into a memoir? And were the writings public or the writings that you were doing were always like like a personal journal?
0: Yeah, the writings were always personal and private. And I would share them with my mom from time to time. And she would, you know, with the dating story, she'd always laugh and she'd be like, this would be such a great book. When I started writing about my dad, I kept that completely private. I didn't share it with anybody. When I decided to combine everything and make it a memoir, I enrolled in a course called The Write Workshops. It's in Manhattan and Murray Hill, and it's run by this amazing literary agent and author himself. His name is Jeff Aravan. And so basically, what you do is you bring your manuscript and you read it to different people in the class, and they critique it and they give you their advice. And from there, you know, that shapes your writing. So each week I'd go in there with a chapter, and people would say, you know, I like this, I didn't like that. And so, based on that feedback, it's almost like a focus group. So, based on that feedback, I would add some things to the book, I would take away other things that didn't really work. And at the end, Jeff, who ran the class, he became my literary agent and helped me to publish the book and and get it out into the world.
1: That's amazing. Does it feel crazy to, to have your own book?
0: It does. It really does. Especially because so many people that I know have said, I didn't even know you were a writer. I didn't know you were writing this book. For me, I kept it really private because I still find it oddly enough, because I'm on a podcast talking about it. But I still find it very hard to talk about 9-11 and about my dad. And so I didn't want to tell people I was writing a book because then they'd say, oh, what's it about? And I would have to go into this whole story. So I kept it pretty private. So I think, you know, friends and acquaintances are all pretty surprised. Of course, my best, best friends and my husband and my close family knew. But for everyone else, it was kind of like, here it is.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So you were 16 years old when 9-11 happened. Yes. What was life like before that day?
0: I think before that day, I was living out my high school years and I had a really great high school experience. I had three really close girlfriends that actually are characters in Chasing Butterflies. Their names are different, but the characters in Chasing Butterflies are my real life girlfriends. And we had a wonderful high school experience. And, you know, I'm really grateful for those years. And then, you know, I was sitting in my classroom one day and rumors were going around that an airplane had hit one of the towers. And I just knew right away that it wasn't good. And I ran to the office In this school, and you know, I was just—I was saying to anyone who would listen, "You have to help me. You have to help me." My dad worked there. I have to go home. I know something's not right. And one of the administrators said to me, kind of talking down to me, he was like, "Oh, don't worry, sweetie. You know what floor was your dad on?" And I just looked at him and I said, "He was on 101, and I have to go." And I could tell by the look on the administrator's face that we both knew it was bad. And from that day on, you know, as a teenager, my life was never the same. I tried to make it as normal as possible. And, you know, I tried to go through high school, getting good grades and enjoying my time with my friends. But when you lose a parent at that age, and in that way, piece of your childhood is taken in that moment, for sure.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. No words really, Did you know anyone else? Did you have anyone else that was close with you whose parents also or mom, dad also worked there or were you really isolated in terms of just like it was your dad that was there?
0: Yeah, it was solely just me. I was the only person from my high school whose parent was in the buildings or who had any affiliation at all with the attacks. Not that I know of any first responders or anything like that. So I was that girl, the one whose dad was in the building, and it was just me. Even to this day, the only people that I've really met who've lost parents there are a bit younger than me. A lot of them are in their 20s. So at the time, they were babies or in elementary school. But I haven't really met someone who was a teenager at the time. So I was pretty much on my own.
1: How do you navigate like thereafter? You're 16 years old. How do you pick up? and just continue to live your life.
0: I think anyone who goes through grief knows you really have no choice, right? Life will never be the same, but you know the person you lost, they wouldn't want you to just give up. So, it was really important for me to get back to school, be around friends and try and retain some of that in quotes normalcy that I had had before. And it's not easy. But you know, I think you just have to find that inner strength and get through it. It's the only thing that really is is good for you at a time like that is to just keep going.
1: So you wrote your memoir, you know, obviously, you, you share your story in in your book, do you feel like it's gotten like, easier to talk about? Or have any, has anyone reached out since you wrote it saying like, I also lost someone 911? I'm curious if you've had any experiences like that?
0: Yes, it's been really interesting and really nice. Actually, I've had so many strangers, which is the best part when a stranger connects with, you know, your memoir, which is like your heart and soul. And then I've had strangers email me and say, Oh, you know, I actually live in a big city and I'm dating and I I've recently lost a parent and it's so hard. In your book, I could relate to so many things. So I've gotten a lot of that, which has been really nice. I've also, believe it or not, I lived in Manhattan up until recently, and I was friendly with a girl who was a neighbor, and we were casually friendly. So we didn't really speak about anything serious or our history. And when my book came out, she emailed me and she said, Ashley, I lost my dad on 9 11 and he also worked for Kenner Fitzgerald. So I had been friends with this girl for years, and we lost our dads to the same company on the same day in the same building, and we didn't connect the dots until my book came out. So that was also pretty interesting. And the nicest part was is that she loved the book, and she was so proud, and that made me feel good because, of course, a concern of mine having written this book is I want to do right by the people who have lost family on 911 and so I hope the book resonates nicely with them so to get that feedback was was reassuring
1: yeah so you know I lost both my parents my dad when I was 20 and my mom when I was 25 years old and I'm like an open book you can ask me questions about it and I found that it's been interesting cuz like initially when my dad first died I was more say a little more closed off but now it's like it's a piece of me it's it's a part of my own story but I'm always amazed when I do share my story, especially with a stranger and other people open up and they say, Oh, you know, I lost my mom, I lost my dad. And yeah, that's at least been my own experience. I feel like I've met so many people now who have lost someone significant in their life at a fairly young age. And it's obviously heartbreaking, but it's inspiring to hear their own stories of how they keep moving forward in life.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And it's Interesting on that note, you know, when you mentioned your parents, the first thing I wanted to say was, I'm so sorry. And, you know, so sorry for your loss. And I find when people say that to me, it's a tough pill to swallow when people say that to me, because I know they mean well, but at the same time, the words don't do it justice. So it's ironic having you say that to me. And the first thing I want to say is, I'm so sorry. You know.
1: Yeah, I always say, like, I feel like there's no words that people can say that truly bring comfort.
0: Yeah. I was there sure almost like a like a a sign, you know, like a like an ASL or like just like a, a gesture you could do that, you know, basically says, you know, there are no words, but I'm so sorry, you
1: know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's tough because I think especially maybe some friends that maybe haven't experienced like significant loss, they want to support their friend or, you know, that person, but and sometimes it's hard to come up with words and really there are no words. Right. There's aren't any words that could sometimes bring any comfort just them being there's the comforting thing yeah what's it like now going back to like the World Trade Center do you go there ever or
0: yeah so I write about it in the memoir my family goes once a year we go on anniversary and we visit the memorial fountain where my dad's name is the museum we have gone into twice and I really just go there on that occasion Once in a blue moon, if I'm in the area downtown, I'll drop there. I'll drop in unexpectedly. But, you know, it's an interesting place. In some ways, it's very peaceful. They did a beautiful job, you know, reconstructing that downtown area. And the memorial fountain is really very quaint. And there is a very nice, peaceful feeling about it to go and reflect. But at the same time, it's not something I want to do all the time. It's for those those few occasions.
1: That makes sense. So, do you want to read like a portion of of your memoir and then we can go from there?
0: Sure. So, just a little a little bit about my memoir for those who don't know a lot about it. You know, it's a different take on a 9/11 story because the whole point of me writing it was to show that there can still be love and joy and funny moments, even having gone through a traumatic loss like I have. And so for me, my coming of age story is that I was dating and enjoying dating and having fun in Manhattan in my 20s. But all of this was happening in the shadow of the Freedom Tower, where I lost my dad. So I like to call this book, the genre would be chick lit with a twist because it is really flirty and sexy, but then there's also a really dark side to it. So just wanted to put that out there before I start reading. Awesome. (laughs) Okay. So this is the first chapter and it is when I wake up in a man's bed. So we will (laughs) go from there. What was I thinking? What was I drinking? I have to get out of here without waking him. I roll out of bed and walk my nude self to the bathroom. Splashing water on my face, I stare into the reflection of the mirrored cabinet. I throw my blonde hair back in a ponytail. Good luck telling my girlfriends about this one. I take one last glance, trying to wipe smeared makeup off of my cheeks. One quick peek in the medicine cabinet to see if I'll find something interesting about this new conquest. Maybe a prescription bottle revealing his Adderall addiction or a mental health disorder? An ointment for his STD? I sure hope not. The only thing worth remembering is his Armani cologne, which I spritz in the air, wave my hand through, and breathe in. I take in every last sense of his aroma and the perfection of yesterday evening. I throw my bra into my bag, grab some of his clothes, squeezing into my skinny jeans from last night seems impossible right now, and hustle out the front door. I approach the elevator and wait as my heart begins to pound. As I step into this small rectangular space, I feel lucky to be alone. I stare at the screen as red numbers light up. 30, 29, 28, 27, 26. As I descend, I can't help but think, was my dad in the elevator when it happened? Or did he try to take the stairs, a place I wish I was right now, instead of this metal box? It can't be moving any slower. The walls seem as if they're going to close in on me when suddenly there's a stop at 25. And so that is just a little piece of chapter one.
1: Your memoir is really, like you said, like it's a mix of nine eleven, your own experience with losing your dad and sort of like how, how life was mainly in your 20s in New York City.
0: Yeah. So, you know, I think that I chose to read that paragraph because it really summed up how I'm just... Trying to live life and enjoy myself. But then something as little as just stepping into an elevator can change my whole day because all of a sudden I'm thinking, oh, was my dad in an elevator when this happened? And he worked so high up, he was on the 101st floor. So, you know, I think that's what people forget with loss that it can hit you at any moment. It doesn't have to be on the anniversary of a 9 11 doesn't have to be on that person's birthday. It can really just be something as simple as, for me, stepping into an elevator. And I think about all of that all over again. So again, there's a lot of fun and flirty things in the book, but it also goes really deep really quickly.
1: Got it. Do you ever think, like, why, why you, why this happened or anything like that?
0: I don't think why me in the sense that, you know, I think it was just fate and really bad luck, unfortunately. But I do say, why me? Why me that I chose to write this book? And why me that I chose to tell my story? And I think in that sense, it's so that I can help people, I can keep the memory of my dad alive. And I can also show people that even though I'm smiling, I still haven't forgotten what's happened. Or Even if I'm sad, it doesn't mean that I don't have a happy life. So I think there's a lot of messages to take away from what's happened to me. And that's why I say, Why me? I picked myself to be the one to tell that story.
1: Mm, I love that so much. I guess your grief evolved over, you know, from when you were 16 to now.
0: Oh, it's constantly changing. I'm actually curious to get your viewpoint on it as well. But for me, I think grief has a lot of faces and it evolves. So in my teens, it was non-existent. I didn't want to deal with it. I just wanted to be a teenager. And that's how that went. And in college, the same. There were definitely moments where, you know, I wish my dad was at my college graduation and parents weekend when everyone's parents come up to see their dorms. And, you know, my dad wasn't there for that. I started to really realize oh, he's missing this. And then in my 20s, that's a lot of what's reflected in the book where I'm just like, oh, gosh, I hope my dad's not judging me for, you know, for all of this kind of fun, wild craziness that I'm having in New York. And now into my 30s, I think it's a much deeper sense of evolution and grief in the sense that I'm a, I'm a mom now. I have kids, and I wish my dad could have met my children. I wish he could have met my husband. It also makes me think about, I get scared. What if I'm not here one day, you know, and my children have to live through what I went through. It's scary and it it makes things very real. And I don't know if people haven't lost a parent, if they feel it to the extent that I feel it. So I've definitely been on that roller coaster of grief and the grief evolving and it never goes away. It just changes its form.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I resonate with so much of what you just said. It's crazy because sometimes I think like I think about what I lived through and sometimes, you know, like it's like almost I want to pat myself on the back for just like getting out of bed some mornings because I'm like, oh, it's crazy what what I've lived through. And sometimes I think, you know, you have you have every excuse sort of in front of you to make an excuse for, you know, why I'd rather just stay under the covers, turn the lights off, close the door and not jump at life today. Not that I don't give myself enough credit, but sometimes I'm like wow it's it's amazing that, like you chose to sort of tell your story through your book, I choose it to tell my story and try to inspire others through this podcast and uh, yeah, you know, it's just like I don't personally have have kids, but you know you're saying you think about sometimes if your own kids, God forbid how to go through something similar, you know And I think it's just like it's it takes a lot to you know just get out there and write a book to share your story, et cetera, to turn something that's so painful, so hard wrenching into a force for good.
0: Absolutely. So I think we're a good example for all those people trying to to figure it out. And you know, it also doesn't it doesn't come overnight and there are days that are dark and that are sad and you know, you just get through those days and what's important is to just eventually pick yourself back up. But it also is okay to have those those bad days too just as long as that's not every day.
1: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So when when this happened when you were 16, you know, I sometimes think about 9/11 and I think what's crazy because I like vividly remember where I was. I was in middle school at the time. Like sometimes I think now it's a little bit crazy to think that like the younger generation they'll read about this in in a book but they won't have that and I'm sure it's much more clear for you like that crystal clear memory of that day. Like what do you think of the younger generation that's now growing up that wasn't alive for just such a crazy day?
0: Oh, yeah, that's a great question. I'm actually a school teacher. So I'm currently on childcare leave from having my son. So that's what gave me the time to finish my memoir. But when I was teaching, I was teaching fourth and fifth graders. And so they weren't born yet on 9-11. And in Chapter two, there's a very specific scene that came from my classroom where my students were curious about 9-11 and they were asking questions. And yes, it's uh it's a very crazy concept to think that someone wasn't born when this happened and you know, how to explain that to them. And I think about my daughter and my son all the time, and I wonder how am I going to tell them how my dad died. It's not something that you can easily explain to a child. So it's definitely a unique situation to be in. I'm happy that I have this memoir because for those children that one day grow up and they're curious about 9-11, yes, they can Google it and they can read about it in a history book. But the difference with my memoir is that it gives a pulse to that day. You know, my dad had a pulse. I have a pulse. We are people. And so th- I think that brings some life to just the words or the date. You know, World Trade Center 9 11. I think chasing butterflies gives it life, and that life will hopefully be around far after I'm gone. So that's reassuring.
1: What would you say is like the most important takeaway you hope your readers get from your memoir?
0: There's a lot of takeaways. For anyone that is single and just struggling to meet the right person and find the love of their life, I hope that the book can make them laugh and tell them that they're not alone. I hope that for anyone that's gone through loss, they can relate to my book in what it's like to grieve but also enjoy your life and know that it's okay to enjoy your life and don't feel guilty about being happy. That's what your the person you lost—that's what they would want for you to do—and you know, most importantly, just that there is so much love and joy that life has to offer, even when you've been through a tragedy. And I think that's the biggest takeaway.
1: Mm, I love that so much, and you know, once again, just really resonate with so much of that message. Life's difficult, but you need to sort of just find a way to somehow move move forward and you know, find your own happy moments.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And I think everyone's journey is different. And my memoir only speaks on my journey and my truth. And I know it's not the same for everybody. But I would hope what is the same is that people, no matter what they've been through, even if it's not a, a death, but, you know, whatever trauma has been in someone's life, you know, you can get through it and you can live, live a happy life.
1: The dating scene today is just like so crazy with all the apps and everything like that.
0: <laughs> it really is. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I read the first few chapters of the book and having lived in New York City for a whole bunch of years myself, I could resonate with a lot of just like stories that maybe friends would tell me or vice versa. But I'm just like, oh, it's it's so crazy today with all the apps and everything else in a crazy city like New York. I don't know. The future will be very crazy, I think, for like <laughs> your kids, my kids one day. I don't even know what will happen.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Toward the end of the book, I go in a little bit into the online dating world. So my thoughts on that are in there. I wasn't really around for the Bumbles and the Tinders and the hinges, but, but there is some online dating in there for sure.
1: Got it. What would be like your advice to someone who is 16 years old who just suffered significant loss?
0: My advice would be to take your time to get through it and don't let anybody rush you and to do what you really think is best for yourself because I find that everyone has advice. Oh, you need to get out more. You need to get out less. Therapist would be great. You should do a a group or, you know, to get your feelings out. But really in the end, even at 16, I know it's young, but in your heart, you know what's right for you. And you just have to follow your heart, listen to yourself. And that's how you'll get through it. And also, the times that you are laughing and you are happy, not to feel guilty about that. You know, the person that you lost would want you to be living your life and smiling. And that's what you should be doing.
1: I love that so much. So we can start to wrap up the show. Mm-hmm. One question I like to ask all my guests come on the Bits of Gold podcast. What would be your bits of gold and how to build your dream life?
0: Oh gosh, my bits of gold on how to build my dream life. It would be not to follow what you think everyone else is doing in terms of that creating your happiness to do in your heart what you really love and what you believe you are meant to be doing. To just follow your dreams and go with your gut, I would say. So, you know, even if all of your friends are doing one thing, it doesn't mean that's gonna be what's right for you and you have to just know yourself and and know what makes you happy and go with it.
1: That's great advice. Ashley, where can people get a hold of you, find out more about the book, buy the memoir?
0: Yeah, so Another thing about the memoir is a portion of the proceeds are going to Tuesday's Children Organization. And it's a really great organization. They donate time, money, resources to families affected by mass violence. So of course, nine eleven families, but also families affected by the military or affected by natural disasters, Tuesday's Children is there to help. So you know, when you purchase the book, you're also giving money to Tuesday's Children, which is amazing. And it can be purchased on Amazon, you can get it on Kindle, you can get it in paperback. And I have a website as well. And it'll give you little sneak peeks about the book and my Instagram account to follow and get more fun information. And it's all there for you.
1: Awesome. Well, thanks so much for coming on the show today.
0: Thank you. It was so nice to meet you and to to talk about the book. I had so much fun.
1: Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Bits of Gold podcast. If you like this episode, please take a minute, share with a friend, subscribe, and please leave us a review. It means so much and really helps get our show in front of more listeners. New episode coming out this Monday. hope you all have an amazing, amazing week. Enjoy. I love your podcast. This is gold. This is where it's at.